when we think of tourism, we tend to think about going to a place, spending money, having a good time and turning around and going back to where you're from. But tourism is much more than that. And what we're gonna talk about on today's episode is what it means to the community and how it can be transformational and how it can really help. And through such a difficult time in the pandemic, we're gonna talk about that as well, how tourism really helped keep counties and communities going and what it has done for those communities and will continue to do in the future. Join me. Welcome back to another episode of the Get Over It podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. You know, during this pandemic, one of the most hit and really, really devastated industries was tourism. And today our guest can speak to this perfectly. We're gonna to talk to him about that and a bunch more. Before we get into the interview, just a reminder to make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're enjoying the episodes. The best way to do it is on your favorite pod player, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio. They're all there, wherever you find a podcast you can find the Get Over It podcast. Thank you for coming back with us today. Our guest is Bob Provost. Bob, Bob is the CEO and president of the New York State Tourism Industry Association. I hope I got that right. Um, Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you, glad to be here. So it's fascinating. I was talking to Bob uh, before the show, we were just going over a little bit of what we were talking about and he was telling me some interesting stories. So before we get into where you are now, you know, what I prefaced there just in the quick beginning with COVID, I mean, tourism, you can tell it better than anybody. I want to understand a little bit about yourself. We just really met. So, and Bob, we're, we're, we're recording this in Albany, New York uh, at Over It, um, Over It Media, which is on New Scotland Avenue in Albany. And Bob is telling me that, so we're in a converted church. This church is, uh, you know, the principals and owner, Dan, um, redid this church to make this beautiful place. And Bob is telling me that he grew up right around the corner, right? And came to church here when it was a church. So tell me a little bit about your background and where you grew up by yeah, yourself. Yeah, I, I made first communion and confirmation here. That's so wild. Uh, my sister had her wedding here. So yeah, this takes me back quite a bit, especially since when I walked in the front door, the former altar is your reception desk. So <laughs> it, I I wasn't sure if I should genuflect, but um, I, I, I took an interesting path to get involved in tourism. I kind of backed into the industry. Okay. Uh, my career, actually, uh, I spent 30 years with the Hearst Corporation. Yep. I was chief marketing officer here in Albany and led the innovations task force that worked nationally with the newspaper division and um, retired from there in 2005 and took a position, non-competing market in New Jersey with Advanced Media, okay. again, as chief marketing yep. officer for their New Jersey properties. But you're a New York born? New Yorker born. I was actually born in Long Island, but spent most of my youth here in Albany, New York. Okay. And when I took the job in New Jersey, I never left uh, my, my yep. we have a small rural property in Northern Rensselaer County and I commuted 375 miles round trip, uh, going down Mondays, coming Come back, back on Fridays. Yep. But um, when I say I, I took a circuitous route, kind of backed into it, um, one of my roles in, in terms of leading innovation was, you know, beyond technology. I mean, I was working with the internet in 1991 when internet penetration was below 2%, mm-hmm. but uh, cultural innovation and innovation in practice uh, was another big piece of what I led. And getting the media companies involved in, in Hearst in economic development was something we led here in Albany. And we led from the middle of the room as a catalyst. 
Okay. Uh, you know, we identified things, we convened the discussion. Uh, we couldn't be newsmakers. The newsroom was not involved in this initiative. It was the business side. And uh, essentially, we tried to help the community steer a better path uh, for economic as well as quality of life improvement. And that's where I first began to discover the potential of tourism. And I served for many years through several different term limit uh, sessions as a board member for right. the Albany County Convention and Visitors Bureau. I was involved in the founding of a sports foundation, the local organizing committees to bring NCAAs. I did the research uh, that actually uh, advocated that we do have a civic center in Albany and that it be located downtown. That led to what is now the Times Union Center. Yeah. Um, you know, before you keep going, interesting, you know, you mentioned community driven, right? Like, yes. And People, when you think of tourism, a lot of people think of, I'm going to visit a place that I'm not from. It's not my community and I wanna go there. I'm gonna have a good time and then I'm gonna leave. And we talked about this a little bit before the show and you just said a lot of this and your, your interest in tourism and driving it comes from the community, it's community driven. So talk a little bit about that because like I feel like the, it, it, it's, it, it's when I'm talking about it it makes a lot of sense but it's not really the first thing on your mind right it, it's counterintuitive right. to think that tourism serves the resident correct but ultimately uh, in the mission statement for our organization which we uh, migrated to when I got involved in 2018 is that we advance economic growth job creation community revitalization, mm -hmm. small business success, mm -hmm. quality of life and pride of place okay. by realizing the potential of the tourism industry and facilitating the success of our members. I see. Now, um, and I'm, I'm pleased to say that at least one national tourism organization has adopted a version of that as their mission. Okay. Uh, because it really articulates the end goal. Tourism is not a goal. Tourism is a means to Correct. the end. If you look at tourism in the state of New York in 2019, before the pandemic, it had grown to become the third largest industry in the state of New York. It was a huge success story, and it will be again. Uh, it continues to be in many local communities. But spending was about $72 billion, direct spending. Economic impact, about $115 billion. Uh, it drove employment for 960,000 New York State residents with a payroll uh, income uh, distribution of about $39.5 billion. Mm. Uh, when you think about it, upstate tourism was either number one or number two as an industry in the upstate communities with agriculture. You get into New York City, it's finance, of course. Right, right, of course. But um, right, people that, don't- I mean, that's a hard thing to surpass. Yeah, right, I, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I laugh uh, and, and I'll maybe illustrate my, my generation. And I say, we're the Rodney Dangerfield of the business world. I, I we get no respect. We get no respect. Yeah. Uh, people think tourism, they think fun and games. They don't see it as big business. They don't see it as serious business. But, you know, in 2019, the spending from tourism drove $9 billion in state and local tax revenues. Wow. And if tourism hadn't been doing that and the state needed to raise that money, it would have been another 1200 or more dollars per household in, in the state of in, New York in, 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 in taxes. Tax levy. So, so really going into the pandemic, 
you had one of the strongest, tourism had one of the strongest efforts, which could have, I imagine, possibly helped, I don't know, going into such a devastating time financially for the state. It was, I, yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, I imagine there was a lot of other things and you always just, I'm sure they're always pulling from places, but it was really peak. And then- It was peak. Um, unfortunately, during the pandemic year, travel spending declined 54% in the state of New York. Uh, the tax revenues declined 45%. Uh, 334,000 uh, hospitality workers, people involved in mm -hmm. tourism, lost their jobs yep. uh, during the 32% unemployment. The most heavily impacted industry by far. Um, and and I, I, I really want to express my support for the folks in New York City because they took the brunt of that loss. Uh, the closure of international borders and travel and air yes. travel being suspended yep. to a huge degree yep. impacted them way disproportionately. And in fact, during the COVID year, the roads less traveled of right. upstate New York were discovered. Correct. And many communities in upstate New York actually had not only healthy years, but some of them had their best, best years. years. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if you look back on COVID, and, and there's no way anybody would say, well, if I had it to do over again, you know, yeah, let's have a COVID. That's... Just Obviously, absolutely wrong. Correct. You know, we lost people. Uh, you know, but but if you look at that year and say, you know, what did we derive from this year that we can use to shape a better future? Uh, it's the fact that millions of people had their attention deflected from out-of-state destinations or uh, foreign destinations, right. vineyards in right. France they or were, California. They were forced to look around them, around and here. Particularly the New York metro area, New Jersey, Long Island, New York City. They, they didn't want to get involved in a, um, having to quarantine. They said, well, maybe I should travel in-state. Where do I want to go? And suddenly they discovered New York's vineyards. They discovered our ski areas. They discovered the outdoor trails. Uh, and what happened is, you know, a huge number of people discovered a New York they didn't know existed. Yeah. It's, you know, it was in, in this time of sort of peril when you're forced in, you know, and you're forced to, and you're in this struggle, there's this reversion to being human, like old school human, evolutionarily human. And that is getting outdoors, um, a, a focus, a, a, a refocus on what's around. Let me get out in the earth. Let me get out in the air. Let me go out on a ski. And that's exactly, I, I know because I, when I was forced in, in isolation and quarantine, I don't, I used to ski, we don't anymore. And then I said, you know what? Let's, what else, but let's get out there. And I couldn't get anything. Everything was booked. There were ticket sales, like you, know, you couldn't get on, you, like you had to wait and it was incredible. So there were aspects of, and I know people from New York City that live there that were all coming up here. If you were trying to find a vacation rental that you wanted to just get away and maybe go into, you know, just up, nothing was available. Um, so it, where, when it seemed, while it seemed like tourism, when you're reading and flying and all this stuff was shut down, it seemed very active to me being upstate because people were looking, and I like that you were said, if you have to find silver linings in this situation yeah. for New York, that's gotta be one of them, is that the eyes have, were on places that might not have been on them before. Right, and, and you know, the, 
the real benefit is to not just take that as a passing right how do you keep uh, that anomaly, going right but but how do we build a better future for the entire state yep. I, I have no doubt that once uh, and we're, we're well into a situation where New York City is able to fully relaunch and reassert itself that it will again be the world's number one destination city um, no you, doubt you know about that hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, for all the right reasons. I mean, you know, arts, Broadway, arts, museums, yeah, yep. restaurants. Uh, it's it's such a uh, phenomenal uh, place to visit, as well as live. But for upstate New York, we need to capitalize on the situation. We need to seize this moment, because concurrent with this was the opening of the Empire State Trail, 750 yeah. miles of contiguous canal and waterway with bike paths and, and uh, visitor services along the way. It's the largest uh, contiguous network of trails in the United States. Wow. And suddenly it's ours. They knitted together all the old towpath routes and things of the Erie Canal, the Champlain Canal, and so so on. So, you know, we now have a, a future if we can grasp it, seize it, uh, to be the place for bikers and hikers, peddlers and paddlers, um, people who want to kayak or canoe, take their bike, or for that matter, they can drive it. They can they, drive it. Can, now we can put bikes on trains. You can get a bike, get on a train, come upstate, get off at one train station, get on the path, pedal for several days, you know, kind of a land cruise. Yeah, like a land cruise. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, And then get back on a train at another station and come back. That's cool. It's fabulous. And this is in addition to the incredible network of trails in the Adirondacks and the Catskills, the Finger Lakes in Western New York that already existed managed by the Department of Environmental Conservation in the New York State Parks and Recreation, okay. um, which incidentally, New York State Parks had a record year in I'm the sure, pandemic. I'm sure they did. With the campgrounds. I'm sure they did. Uh, they did just exemplary work. And, and I, I have to salute, you know, the, the executives of the tourism industry. Uh, Don Bennett, who heads the campgrounds of New York, uh, phenomenal job of, of getting the state to clearly articulate what were the conditions of reopening and the standards of hygiene and safety that needed to be maintained in order for those campgrounds to operate successfully. Scott Brandy from the High Ski New York, mm -hmm. uh, the, the ski areas. Very few people know that New York has more ski areas than any other state. You know, I just learned that. Yes, and, and Scott worked, you know, tirelessly to get the state to relax the constraints and enable the slopes to operate, I believe at 75% yep. capacity and their, their facilities indoors to operate at 50%. And, you know, I'm sure that saved a lot of people's businesses. It's not that people didn't have hardship. I don't want to diminish right. so, no, what right, they went right, through, right. but, th but, but it two, could have been. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah. And Mark Dorr, who leads the New York state hospitality and tourism association, which represents the bulk of the hotels in the state of New York, uh, also worked tirelessly to be sure that the standards for the hotels were clearly right, articulated. Right. Restaurant Association uh, is still working hard I'm because sure those are probably the most heavily impacted folks uh, of any.
any uh, individual category. And, you know, it, it's just a great uh, example of heroic work being done at the, the local level and individual businesses, individual market uh, destination marketers, but also here in the capital with people trying to look after the needs and priorities of their mm. constituents. So just for some context, talk to us a little about what the association does. In other words, who are its members? Who are you Who are you serving? Like in other words, you know, some people might think that it's me as a, as a traveler, as a tourist, but that's yeah. not what, what, yeah. what it is. So give us a little context about what, what it does. We're an industry association. So about a third of our members are the destination marketers who represent communities, mainly counties. Uh, each county in the state of New York has to designate a tourism promotion agent that represents the county and does their county tourism promotion and receives the matching funds from the state of New okay. York. Uh, those folks are our and members. And that's a requirement by New York State? That's statutorily required okay. if they want matching funds. If they want. they don't. So if they don't go through that, then they're on their own. They have to self-fund everything. So yeah. why wouldn't they yeah. do that? And right. I, I don't believe there's a county in the state. Say who would not do that. Some right. counties share representation with a single TPA. Okay. But we have a monthly call for all of them. Okay. Uh, during COVID, we had never had such a thing. We, we met quarterly. Uh, but but um, it was actually March the 18th. We had our first statewide virtual call with all the TPAs. We met weekly right through the reopening with I Love New York participating robustly to provide their insight guidance, answer questions. Uh, Ross Levi from I Love New York uh, just you know, stepped up in an incredible way. And then uh, after we reopened and we were getting into the summer months, we moved to bi-weekly and we now continue to meet monthly. Okay. Uh, the, and so what, what, is, what is being provided to them if I'm in this, right? So what, what is this level of support and what am I, what am I receiving? Well, it, it goes beyond obviously communications, networking, sharing information Correct. and best practice. But let me tell you about the rest of the yep. membership because that's a third. Uh, another third of our members are the actual destination assets, uh, whether that's uh, a museum or a casino or a resort. Uh, Legoland is an example, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Wild Center in the Adirondacks, um, casinos, the Aquasasne uh, mm -hmm. Casino. These are all members of ours. And uh, the final third are what we refer to as industry partners. Uh, those people like over it who work with our members to facilitate their success. I see, okay. All right. All right. Uh, so anyone, so, they, they're assisting in the effort, if you will. Exactly. Okay. And, and in some cases, for instance, with some of those partners, we put together co-op programs mm -hmm. so that our members can pool their expenditures and get lower rates yeah. and bigger deals. Yeah. Uh, we facilitate marketing in certain types of media. Uh, we facilitate uh, travel show participation. Uh, across the Northeast in, you know, uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York State, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Ohio, as well as in Canada so when we are allowed to. So working with other states, not just being New York. Well, we work with our members to represent them in those other states. I see, okay. You know, if there's a AAA show in Columbus, Ohio, Right, you know, I, or I Hershey, gotcha. Pennsylvania, I see. I so see. on. Uh, the the other thing, for instance, right now we have. Um, incredibly robust participation in an initiative we're doing with Uber Marketing and Rove. Uh, it's being mm -hmm. led by Rove Marketing out of Toronto, Canada. 
who are a longstanding member. Uh, and it has to do with tracking uh, cell phone numbers. People who uh, give permission for their cell phone location to be tracked, uh, we are now tracking uh, cell phones throughout the state through 52 counties and over 600 points of interest to better understand the traveler's journey. Where mm. do they go? How much time do they spend? Mm. You know, we don't know anything about any one individual right, phone. Right, it's not necessarily about what I'm doing. It's just more about it's picking the up collective, patterns and it's understanding. It's the collective data. Right, yep. Uh, there's no invasion collective of privacy. Collective data is something that I am so interested in. My thing is data and um, collective data is really where things are moving. It's like, so for example, um, we work with a lot of pest control companies. We market for them. So you market for one up here and one down in Florida, one down in Georgia, one in North Carolina. And then what happens is you now take one and now you got 12. So I take all of the data from the 12, I put it together. What that gives me now is not just a perspective of this, this pest control company, but it gives me a perspective of the industry. Now I can start to see, are there higher level trends in that vertical, rather than just looking at the specific business. Because the more data you have, the better you are, right? And so if you can start to aggregate and pool, patterns start to appear where they might not normally on one level. Well, I can tell you when we launched this in April, the initial download was three billion lines of data. Uh, And kudos to the folks at Rove and James Souter and his team. Uh, All of our members now have an easily navigated dashboard Mm -hmm. that enables them to track the points of interest or their county or the region that they deal with and see who's visiting where, how much time they spend, where they go when they leave, where they came from before they got here. Uh, The only information that... Um, it gets close to home for these uh, cell phone users is that we are made aware of their common daytime and nighttime zip code. So, okay, so, so you we get can, a sense for where they reside, yeah. if you will. Well, essentially, the definition of a traveler is 50 miles. You've traveled 50 miles or more. Uh, and anything that's long enough to to consider so that's the you, criteria. It's that one of it's one, one of them. Of, but but basically, because you don't know their actual hard address. No, correct. Not right? at all. Because you tell a blind, you don't. All you know is that there's a number. It's moving. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And we yeah. don't even know the number. Right. The mobile ID, whatever yes. that's what they call it. Yeah. Right. The ID. Yeah. Yeah. So right. so in any case, that that information enables us to better strategize possible itineraries that would appeal to certain groups of people, types of people. Uh, and, and, you know, there's another company that's a member called Epsilon that uh, also works in uh, credit card data in the same way. Again, you don't know anybody's individual patterns, but you can look at the collective data. I've been working in, you know, uh, database marketing since 1992 uh, with Hearst. Yep, uh, big spreadsheets. Oh, well, you know, I was part of a collective uh, that met every year in Snowmass, Colorado, uh, for an event called the Aztec Roundtable. Uh, But it was applied segmentation technology. Okay. And beginning to tap into this digital world that was just emerging. How do you deal with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or even millions of people and finesse the ability to treat them individually? And that's, you know, part of where tourism has been going and and where the future lies and able to anticipate needs, to, to look at behavior and say, I can improve their experience based on what I'm learning. 
But all in all, uh, I, I'm going to come back to the fact that the overall goal is to improve your community. Correct. And um, I'm going to be perhaps a little crude or undiplomatic and, and say uh, one perspective on tourism is it's the importation of money. The importation of money. You import money. Yep. People come in, they leave their money behind. Yes, they, they go do. home. They place very little burden on your infrastructure. Right, right. Uh, but but they leave money behind. And particularly international travelers come from further away. They stay longer and they spend, they spend more, more per money day. There. And and so you know. The goal is to bring those revenues into our communities. Then you don't have, just curious, this might be getting off a little bit, but data, just, is there any, there's no data then on, there's a mismatch in the data. So if you're, if you have my mobile ID and you see that I traveled 75 miles and I went to this destination, the destination is of tourist interest. It's some sort of tourist spot, wherever, let's call it, I went place X. There is no how do you match the amount of money I spent linked to that mobile ID? Are you capable of doing that as of That's yet? That's why we were looking at the credit card data. I see. Okay. It's so then you can sort of match the two, exactly. a phone but, number to a record or something like that? But looking at somebody, for instance, who maybe traveled 75 miles either in-state or from, let's say, Pennsylvania or Massachusetts to go to a winery, and do they also stay at a hotel? Right. And do they stay overnight? Right. Do they right. then right. also go to a, a restaurant? Right. To, so, right. and so then you can start to put together like on an average, a 75 mile journey yields 1.4 hotel stays and a what, you know, you can start to do things like that. Exactly. Okay. The, the other thing to note um, uh, to better understand tourism is based on the economic models and I'm gonna give approximate percentages, forgive me if I don't have them memorized, but out of the average dollar spent locally by a tourist, not the money they spent to get to your community. Okay, so they're here But the now. dollars spent yep. locally, 29 cents goes to their lodging. Okay. 21 or 22 or 23 cents goes for food. Restaurants or yeah. purchasing food. Almost half. Yeah. And, and then you, you have a significant amount of money that's spent on local transportation, buying gasoline and, uh, or Uber or taxis. Right, or, or bus or public or something exactly. like that. There's uh, money spent on retail. Right. And ultimately, about 10 or 11 cents out of that dollar is spent on entertainment or tickets. Like what you're actually doing. Exactly. Like the goal of it. Well, you know, that might be uh, a sidebar. It could be that, right. you know, well, right. we here, don't know what a, the primary was. Exactly. So, for instance, when we work with a museum, uh, let's face it, the Corning Museum of Glass, the Strong Museum of Play, uh, the Wild Center, um, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. These are destination museums. Correct. And, and people travel to those communities in many cases specifically because they want to go to the museum. Correct. So w if a museum can track, where do my visitors come from? Right. And, you know, how long are they staying? And they, they can do a little, you know, just give us your zip code on your way in the door. Right. But if you can answer these questions, right. we'll give you a 50% off to return tomorrow right. kind of thing. But ultimately- But the community there around the museum has an interest in understanding how much I spend when I go or what exactly. am I doing, right? And it also means something to the museum because let's face it, you know, if you, if you think of that economic model, the museum may only be getting 11 cents out of the dollar. Right. 
but right. they're the reason. Right, they're the minority, but there's right. Exactly. They're driving the twenty nine right. cents on lodging, the right. twenty three cents on food, the retail spending as people, you know, are going to you know shop boutiques and craft stores mm-hmm. and local distilleries mm-hmm. and wineries. If they're the reason to be there, they're driving a tremendous amount of economic growth. They are right. And they need to be able to document and articulate Correct. that when hey, they look without for support- me, right? You're not going to that restaurant, you're not going to this cafe. Exactly. Right. When right. they look for support from local government, from um, not-for-profit right. foundations. It's not just about their revenue directly. Exactly. Right. It's that, what they do to right. benefit the community and around so them. You're, so you, you, you're, you're amassing all of this data and it's provided to the members? How does that we, work? In other we, words, we, this, this project you're talking about. We work with them more on, well, the, the, the data belongs to the members who bought in. So 52 counties okay. have signed in okay. out of 62. Okay. So that's pretty good. So the majority, overwhelming uh, yeah. majority. Yes. Um, and and I, I, when I talk about museums, I should also uh, do a, a shout out to Erica Sanger, who's the head of the Museum Association in New York, and the work she did during COVID. But, but quite frankly, I admire the work she's done before and mm-hmm. since, and, and, and she just does a spectacular job with that organization. And we work closely with her. The, 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 the situation that, that we need to develop and appreciate is how to consistently give them more reasons to come and more reasons to come back. And, and you know, marketing to a repeat customer. Yep. You know, you, you want to spend a certain yep. amount of money acquiring. Correct. And you want to spend right. a certain amount of money spend retaining. Spend more getting them on the first time. Yeah. And, yep. But retention, exactly. developing a relationship Correct. is the, the secret sauce yep. uh, that we want to talk to. And, you know, another program I should mention in addition to that, uh, we call it the mobile intelligence dashboard. Uh, was simply a cause campaign that we launched in May of this year. And that campaign is called Rome the Empire. Yep. And the idea here was to encourage the people of New York who did travel in-state in 2020 because they were limited. Because, you know, in many right. cases, they, they found things. They were just looking to go somewhere around them, They right? had great experiences, in, and we wanted to reinforce that. But we also wanted to reinforce the fact that if you took your money out of state when the travel restrictions were lifted, that you actually could be considered to you know, potentially do harm, whereas you could do good while doing well. You're going to have a great world-class vacation in New York State any year. But this is the year we needed to put 300,000 people back to work. Right. This is the year we needed to support right. businesses so be, that were still struggling. it's more than just your vacation here, right. So the whole theme this year was, you know, travel safely and responsibly and have a great vacation, but while you're at it, help us restore vitality to our communities. And so we launched Rome the Empire in the early May. Tremendous pro bono work done by one of our partners, uh, a competitor of yours. Uh, do I get to mention them? Sure. Uh, Mower. Yeah. Um, Mary Hendren uh, from Mower was just phenomenal in, in working with her team and putting this together and working together with Rachel Markle from our staff, uh, a young lady by the name of Elena Gonzalez. Okay. Uh, worked with us to launch a, a suite of uh, social media products. Uh, I got a report 
on, on our Rome the Empire Facebook page last week, 23,000 visitors. Wow. Uh, you know, so very engaged. Very engaged. And the whole purpose of the campaign is to simply give people more reasons to Rome. Did you know? Here's another place to look. Right. And it's um, a great name, by the way, Rome, <laughs> Rome, the, Rome well, the Empire. It was, it's it, great. It, it kind of was evocative of, you know, Star Wars uh, at the same time with the words Rome and Empire in the same phrase. You know, some people took it in that manner. I wanted to say Rome, the Empire State because I wanted to be a little more literal. Right. But uh, regardless, it's been embraced. We, we have almost 100 different markets and destinations that have signed on and are using it and are including that in their tag. You know, hey, we just opened three new outdoor trails, more reasons to roam the empire. And where do I go uh, to find, to look at this? Just uh, Facebook, roam the empire. Roam the empire, the page. that's it. Okay. Uh, right. Instagram, same thing. Okay. If you're a business, and this is the thing with this campaign, um, you know, the folks at Moore did this with absolutely no fees associated. There was never an exchange of checks for anything. Um, Advanced Media donated, I think, uh, close to $25,000 in visibility. Uh, the, the Hearst Corporation donated, uh, um, I think, close to $15,000. Uh, the folks at the New York State Press Service donated ads in 300 newspapers wow. across New York State wow. twice. Wow. Uh, to get this launched and get the word out. Uh, and there hasn't been one paid media dollar wow. spent to, to build it. But it's something we launched in May. We had about traffic of about 500 the first week. By mid-June, we were at 5,000. By mid-July, we were at 10. You know, and it just continues yeah, it to escalate yep. and we get more organizations. If you go to our website, which is nystia.org, nystia.org, you can click on the link right on the homepage, learn more about Rome the Empire. And it, it explains what it is at the bottom of the page. You can register to participate, no charge. You don't need to be a member. Any restaurant, any museum, any, you know, and there's a list of the current participants there, but you can download right from that page, the logos, uh, oh, that's, that's digital awesome. ads, posters, window clings, uh, all is a complete digital toolkit available on that page for people to participate. And whereas we had thought that this, you know, and I hate to use the word hope, but we, we kind of, you know, we're hoping that the pandemic conditions would ease before the end of the year, and this would be a, a um, short-term uh, program with the COVID variants, Delta, and otherwise uh, raising. We're actually seeing a groundswell of increased participation, and uh, we're looking at how can we better use this to support the state's the state. I Love New York campaign, because that is the tourism brand for right. the state. Yep. We want to feed mm -hmm. that engine. Mm -hmm. That's that's you know the evergreen brand. Yes, that is that, it. That, that we grew up in know, New York. I know that. And you know? Rome the Empire was intended to support that. Uh, so and, and we're coming up on one of my most favorite times to travel around the state, and that is fall. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, everybody knows that about coming up to New York, um, and I, I imagine it's poised and positioned for a great fall. Our, uh, you know, I haven't said enough about the destination marketers in this state. 
um, you know, and and nothing I can say could diminish the heroism of the healthcare workers. Mm. Um, I mentioned the heads of the various associations, but in every given market uh, and and at every major institution, there was heroic efforts, and particularly on the part of the tourism promotion agencies and the DMOs and the Convention and Visitors Bureaus. There's a lot of acronyms, but yeah. they all essentially perform the same function. The very first week of New York pause, they pivoted in a matter of hours to refocus their social media, their promotion, their digital uh, presence on the resident instead of the traveler. Okay, we don't have travelers, but our restaurants need to survive. Our, our businesses on Main Street need to survive. And across the state, what came out of those early discussions was a concerted effort to encourage takeout, yep. delivery, yep. buy now or spend now, shop right, later. Right. Gift card type things, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. And, and literally, I have an example from that first week of New York Pause because I got a newsletter from the Cortland Visitor Bureau, and that's what they were already doing. They had pivoted, and they created entirely new websites that were you know, basically only the restaurants that did food service, takeout, only curbside, only delivery. Um, and when we did the Tourism Excellence Awards in May of this year, uh, looking back on 2020, uh, we create a whole new COVID category for people who just did incredible things uh, during that period of time. Duchess County, uh, the, the folks there uh, working with Melaine Rotkamp, who's the president and CEO, did a fabulous job of not just supporting the local restaurants and businesses, but also engaging in the Q&A mm -hmm. with the community about health and protocols associated with safety. Um, we, leadership Award went to uh, uh, the, the leader of the Sullivan County, uh, uh, Sullivan Catskills Visitors Association. And, you know, Roberta um, just did some incredible things, including... A, a very inspiring campaign called The Dove. Now, that's the home of the um, uh, Woodstock. Yep. And they brought that identity, the dove, and peace, ah, tranquility, calm. Cool. And they launched a whole campaign called Catskill Confidence about their ability to provide a safe and responsible mm. destination for travelers and residents. Interesting. Uh, so there's it was terrific work out in Ontario County. Valerie Knobloch launched a, an entire sanitation warehouse of, you know, cleaning supplies, face masks, gloves, you name it for local businesses to be sure. To make sure know, that they were equipped. And buying had, in bulk yep, and, and then yep, reselling yep. it to them to keep the supply uh, and, and, you know, became a major asset to the county in an area they never expected a visitor's right, bureau exactly. to step up. So, you know, I, it's 
one of the things that goes along with this idea of community, and I, I just checked the time, we have about eight minutes, and I want to make sure we talk about it because I found it to be fascinating, is the idea of transformational tourism. You mentioned this to me. And yes. so I, I'm at, and something I never thought about, again, going along the lines of looking at a tourism short-sighted as the visitor who goes and spends the money and leaves. Can you explain a little bit about this concept, what it means, and how, what, you know, sure. give a little bit about that? Um, yeah, and it harks back to my work at Hearst uh, in innovation. Um, at Hearst, I launched a, a before the days of corporate and social responsibility. That, that phrase hadn't been created in 1988. We launched a program called Doing Good While Doing Well, which was the art of aligning our long-term strategic business objectives with community engagement and philanthropy to be a good neighbor. Right. And, and, uh, but always in a way that in the long term made good business sense. I mean, Hearst has a foundation that does donations. Right. Yep. This was out of the local business operating units uh, that wanted, you know, they're charged with making the money the foundation gives away. But I said, you know, community engagement philanthropy can contribute to your success in that environment as a for-profit organization. Um, so in the, in the area of tourism, um, if you go back a couple decades or less in some cases, the, the, the major strategic initiative or plan is how do we achieve next year's sales objectives? Right. Okay, it's, it's right. that simple, right. but it's not because in many cases we're, we've found uh, what's developing over time is the increasing overutilization of resources. Uh, trails that are being abused in the Adirondacks, um, you know, overcrowding. Um, if the goal of tourism is to improve quality of life, right. pride of place, right. you can't, can't damage right. the community. It can't just be that you're coming and spending money and just leaving it for, for waste. Yeah. Right. And, and, or compromising or com right. the quality of life in a community. So what developed was the concept of sustainable tourism, which I wholeheartedly support as, as an initiative that you want to adhere to but I don't feel it's, it's adequate. Sustainable tourism says we're gonna maximize our economic effectiveness while doing no harm and you know, adhering to our commitment to quality of life. I think that concept needs to be folded in under the umbrella of, of having a horizon of planning, a vision for the future that extends far enough out that you can actually affect change for the better. That transformational tourism is how can I improve my destination? Right. Some of those things will be tangible. The Empire State Not Trail. Not just financially we're talking, correct? Right. Right. So some of them will be tangible. The Empire State Trail, transformational for most of upstate New York. Right. I mean, it touches over 300 communities. Mm -hmm. and, um, taking a, an empty railroad, former railroad passenger terminal in Chautauqua, turning it into the National Comedy Center. Mm -hmm. um, taking a 600-acre farm that was slated for probable development as high-density uh, housing and instead creating the largest Legoland yeah, resort the Legoland. in the world. Yeah. Um, now we're looking at, hopefully by the end of 22, having the New York State coastline of Lake Ontario designated a national marine sanctuary. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Just awesome. And, and so 
these are things that are going to drive growth. But at the same time, embracing things like um, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion, making sure that we work with our community to make it more welcoming, uh, that, that the people in our community uh, are more culturally aware and comfortable with people of diverse backgrounds, ethnicity, and so on, uh, bringing more people into the industry as employees and staff, uh, in particular working with our local youth uh, mm. to bring them. This right. was a big deal in, in Newark when I was involved in New Jersey was developing docents and cultural ambassadors mm. among our high school and college students. Uh, what about people that might say, that might be resident and say, I don't know, tor like this has really scared me with COVID. So I don't know if I want to get into a career or a space that's so sensitive to something like that. What would you say to something? What would you say to a comment like that? Well, that, that you know, I, I can't blame people who are going to be hesitant and cautious about that. But, uh, you know, there's, there's two responses I would have. One is there's going to be a future where personal contact is safe. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. To a degree <laughs> it is already if you're vaccinated. Um, yes, you can have a breakthrough infection. But even if you read the articles in the New York Times and the epidemiologist from Johns Hopkins, that infection doesn't mean the vaccine's not working because you may be infected, but you're not sick. Right, correct. Um, so, Which is how we've lived our life up to this point. Exactly. Sick, but okay. Yeah. Uh, not all the time, you know. Yeah, but, you know, yeah right. exactly. And, and um, the, the other aspect of it is you're thinking of tourism as the front desk at the hotel, the wait staff, right. or the I major I think that's day. the problem. But you see, some of the, the, the foremost digital marketers in the world, uh, urban planners, community planners, uh, you know, there's all kinds of jobs in tourism that are not visitor contact generated. Right, right. They're the people managing the websites. Right. They're the people designing the, the materials and the brochures, articulating the message, developing the strategy. It's like any other industry. It's like any other business. Well, you, right? you, you, you look at Walmart. Yes, you have a certain number of people staffing the store, but you've got a national supply chain network along with a national headquarters and buyers around the world. It's, it's, you know, it's a very diverse industry. And um, when you look at you know 2020, where we lost 330,000 jobs, most of those jobs lost were you know housekeeping and waitstaff and and people whose function, when we didn't have consumer contact, um, was was no longer affordable. Right. But you know that left us with 600,000, 630,000 uh, people still employed, and and many of these people are not in that direct right, contact right. world. I think you're right. I think people think default to that thought when you say tourism. Right. They think of the people I'm handing the ticket to or the person, that the, not necessarily the bigger industry of tourism and all that goes with that. Exactly. Which still went and got, went through COVID and was still operating and happen, happening more yeah. frequently and like some any the, other business. Some of the most brilliant work uh, in marketing um, was done under those extreme circumstances. Yeah. I, I want to quickly just go back to those TPAs. In addition to, you know, doing the, you know, sh spend now, shop later, and, you know, incentivizing people to do restaurant takeout and support the local restaurants, they all put up virtual experiences. Not just for the visitor who can't come visit and, and give them an opportunity to uh, get a look at the things they miss, 
But we heard from the residents because we promoted to the residents, hey, you know what? We've got this whole array of things up on your local visitor website. We've got, you know, uh, jigsaw puzzles for the kids mm. and game books. Mm. And uh, we've got virtual tours, all kinds of activities so that people who were isolated in their homes had an opportunity had to, yeah, right. to explore. Right. And the, the message, you know, I had no idea this was in my backyard. Right, right. And right. so we created, in a way, uh, if you consider it, you know, plowing the field and and and, and laying down the seed of the staycation initiative. Right. There You've is a good reason right for going forward. There is a good reason to plan a staycation, uh, but also in the process, we continued to sow pride of place in the community, yeah. um, and and that's that's the big key. Um, you know, and there's. And one of the there was a health study done relative to tourism at the national level, and what came out of it was the tremendous improvement in mental health, of course, and stress reduction that came not necessarily from actually taking the trip, but just contemplating it, right, and planning. Yes. Well, there's a big the the brain um, planning calms the brain down. There's studies done for a long time in neuroscience about the art of planning. You know, people always want planned vacations. They book one, they start planning the next one, or they're constantly thinking about planning. It's because when you're you're putting order, you know, the planning process is very, wow, I want to do this, I can do this. It's, you know, you're creating a procedure and that is very soothing and has a, has a, has a very de-stress. That's why people like to do that. I, I taught um, marketing at Siena Business School uh, when I was with the Times Union for about a decade. And then when I went to New Jersey, um, I, I taught at Rutgers Business School. Ultimately, I spent one year as uh, executive in residence with them working on the culture of the business mm -hmm. school, uh, which is another story. But, but ultimately, when I worked with my students, I usually taught the intro to marketing and the capstone course. I had the yin and the yang. Yep. I was the first and last <laughs> professor they saw. And, and one of the things I used to help them understand uh, planning was the concept of a trip. Uh, articulating, you know, first of all, you need to define a destination. Right. Where are you taking the company? Right. And then you need to say, how do I get them how there? You, yeah. Strategic decisions, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then What's that journey tactically, like? how yep. do I make those strategies, mm -hmm. you know, play out in the real world? And, and, you know, the students were much quicker to grasp course. the concept of developing a strategic plan when you put it in something as simple as right. that. Then, uh, however, and this is a sidebar, uh, um, I would say to them, how many of you have a strategic plan for your life? And they just look at me and I said... You're already in college. Do you know where you want to go? Do you want? Right. Have you defined right. your career destination? I mean, you can change the goal, of course, but you need to have a plan. And when you think about parenting, I did this with my kids. Where do you want to be when you're 25? Right. And I'd ask them that when they were 10. And, and how do you get there? And they understood very early. I, I get there by doing well in school now so that I can get to high school, do well in school, and then get to college right. and get my degree so that I can be a doctor, a lawyer, a, an astronaut, a, if, even if I want to be in the NBA. i got to play NCAAs. Right. Right. So it's, it's a very useful skill on a very it's practical about that level. Journey. And the journey doesn't have to be defined and set in stone. Never but there should. has to be a strategy around 
a journey in self. I would use that analogy with second graders. Yes, correct. And I, you know, how many kids know what they want to be when they grow up? And they all know. Uh, right. They change their mind tomorrow. Right. right. But the one thing you could get them all to understand correct. in the course of a very brief visit to the classroom is they were in second grade not because their parents forced them to come to school or that the state required them to come to school, but because they needed it to fulfill their dreams. Right, they needed to get to the next place. And once they understood that, teachers shared with me that it changed their whole perspective. Mm, It's true. You know, school wasn't forced on them anymore. It was a means to an end, which is their life. See, so the journey is more than just tourism, a journey. It has a lot bigger implications in both business and in life. Everything's a journey. And we talked about in the Get Over It podcast is it's never linear. You're always gonna hit into a roadblock. You're always gonna stumble. And the question is, do you have the ability to keep going through that and keep redefining the journey as you go? Because you're gonna hit something and it's the people that can say, okay, this is not the right street. I gotta go here and I gotta keep going. It's when you continue to try to go through that roadblock over and over and over again, right? And you get yourself frustrated, you get worked up, you lose the confidence, you lose the drive. That's where you don't want, you always have to know. You know, I I said this before in the show, life is just a, a rainstorm that eventually little sun will come out. So you get, once you see that sun, you gotta, you gotta make the best of that sun, right? Because, because eventually the clouds are gonna come back out. And that's okay, but you gotta keep going. You gotta keep moving forward. Yeah, there's two things I, I would wanna add before we close, and, and that's that um, you need to own it. Nobody can make you a failure. Right. And nobody can make you a success. Correct. Some people are gonna help, some people are gonna Correct. hinder, but it, it is entirely on you. And the 10 most powerful two-letter words in the English language are, if it is to be, it is up to me. If it is to be, it is up to me. Exactly. Just That's the mantra that, that uh, young people should have. You know, it's a mantra that people who do incredible volunteer work have. Uh, the second thing is that that plan needs to be dynamic, as you were just saying. But... There shouldn't be a need for abrupt traumatic change. You should embrace evolutionary change. Right. You should be constantly Correct. tweaking and tuning. Optimizations. E- evolutionary change is adaptation. Revolutionary change is trauma. Right. Think of the images that come to the mind with revolution. I mean, it's bodies in the street mm-hmm. and you know, tragedy. Uh, but evolution, it's, it's a constant ongoing process that enables the survival of the fittest. It's true. The thing I struggle with as a, as a scientist and as someone that really believes in science as a whole is that sometimes the technology, most of the time technology evolves faster than humans do. And that, that, that can cause disruption. disruption and problems in how we and our brains, because our brains are very primitive still, we thrive on emotion first, rationale second. And we, you know, and so when there's technology that that is designed to arouse our emotion and get us emotional and, and do that, it pulls away from what us humans were supposed to be. We were only supposed to use emotion for fear and for, you know, for fun if they're fear. They, you know, we were never supposed to live in a constant state of pleasure, a constant state of fear. They were only there to protect and help us thrive. And so technology has, has come up with ways to help us 
to pick at our emotion and to exploit that a bit for their own gain. And you have to be able to adapt in this world and pull yourself away from that, center yourself and keep going because you're much easily distracted off your journey nowadays than you were in the past. Let me, let me uh, give you my organizational culture statement um, that, that I embraced when I was you know, leading marketing for major companies. And that is that you need a culture of lifelong learning. Yep. And constructive change. Constructive change. Yep. Not and in some cases that change involves deconstruction. But cost cutting is not a success strategy. Right. It's a short-term survival short term survival strategy. Right. Right. Exactly. So constructive change is something that builds a better future and greater success. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with that needs to be the ability to learn from mistakes and failure while celebrating success right. and achievement. Because too many organizations have a culture of punishing failure rather than learning from exactly. it. Exactly. And fail to acknowledge their successes and their achievements. And people want to feel like they're working for a winning organization. Right. And so long as you walk like a winner, talk like a winner, right. celebrate, right, right, right. and you have those, right. then people say, hey, hey, you know, this, we're, right. we're going places. We're going, I'm right, and I want to be there with them. Exactly. Right. Um, Bob, this was fun. I, I, there's so much more we could talk about, but the time is up today. Can you just let some people know, once again, if they want to learn more information, where do they go, both from maybe business side or just from if I'm in New York and I'm looking to travel, where do I go to find more information about tourism? You know, I, well, I want to tell you to go ahead and visit the Rome the Empire sta- uh, Facebook page and have some fun. There's absolutely no better single omnibus source then I love New York.com. Okay. Uh, if you, uh, in turn, want to visit a particular part of the state, every county has a tourism site. Okay. And every region has a tourism site. You'll find it very quickly by searching. But, you know, the, start with I love New York.com because even then you can say, what's the itinerary I'm interested in? I'm a, I want to hike, I want to zip line. And they will help you identify the places you can go that you didn't even know existed. Cool. So, great, great. Thank you. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation and I uh, really appreciate it. Nice, nice talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.